Canty and Carlin. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio on ESPN Plus, Sirius XM Channel 80, and of course on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel, we're filling in for the guys today. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports at Nick Friedel. You can also always join the conversation. Give us a call. Triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We are reacting to the breaking news in the NFL where Deshaun Watson was suspended six games by Sue Al Robinson. We now know, according to our very own Adam Schefter, that the NFL has appealed that suspension. They had until 9 a.m. tomorrow morning to appeal the suspension. The news came down today. They have, in fact, appealed the suspension. Now the clock is ticking for the NFL PA. They have two days to respond to the appeal, and then we move forward with the appeals process. There may also be, at some point, a a suit filed in federal court. But Jeff Darlington just tweeted out moments ago that I'm told, this is from Jeff Darlington, the NFL is appealing for an indefinite suspension that would be a minimum of one year, but perhaps more significant given the structure of Watson's contract. Sources tell me that the NFL's appeal will also include a monetary fine. Money is now a significant part of the equation. What do you make of that, Nick Friedel? The first thing I thought after Amber, wow, it was just six games. The other day when, when Sue L. Robinson's uh, findings came out was why was there no money involved? Why was there not a fine? So uh, as far as the NFL is concerned, it is clear in how they've responded today how frustrated internally they must be at what initially came out. Now, how much money and how many more games they could potentially tack on, especially if it's Roger Goodell who is hearing the appeal. We're going to find out. But as a fan, as I watch this from a distance, it was one of the first things that popped into my mind because if you are making these type of uh, missteps, if you're Deshaun Watson, and we know the story that have popped out over the course of the last year and a half, usually if, if you are – uh, alleged to have done all these different things, then there is a suspension and a fine. So I'm sure the NFL is looking for any reason that it can find to make it more severe. And how do you make somebody feel it even more than on the field? You hit them in the pocketbook. I thought the moment that the Browns structured Deshaun Watson's $230 million guaranteed contract where it's totally backloaded and he only makes a million bucks in year one when they knew he was going to get suspended. I thought the second that they structured the contract in that way, and it was obvious to avoid whatever could be coming in terms of financial penalties stemming from all these accusations against Deshaun Watson. I thought the NFL can't let that happen, right? Because the NFL can't allow its own discipline to be circumvented in such an obvious and egregious way. And I've had other former players and Chris Canty, who hosts this show, say, well, it's not the first time that's happened. And it's not the first time that's happened when a player goes to a new team and there's an investigation happening and there's probably going to be fines that the player wants to avoid. Void, but I do think that this is an egregious example of it where it was so obvious to all of us that the Browns were doing everything they could to minimize whatever was coming from the NFL in terms of disciplinary action against Deshaun Watson. Then we got the decision from Sue L. 
Robinson. I too was surprised that there was no fine attached to that decision. When I read her opinion, though, it sounded to me like she had taken the language in Article 46 of the CBA very literally in a very black and white way, where the language of Article 46 quite literally reads, fines or suspensions imposed upon players for violating the league's personal conduct policy. It is an or. It is not an and or. Those are the sorts of things that lawyers parse through when you're talking about language. It's why when agreements are written, they're written with a fine tooth comb if they're written well. And or leads some room for interpretation. Now, typically, lawyers interpret interpret or to mean and or. Uh, but if you were taking it very black and white, you might feel like or is, is mutually exclusive where it's one or it's the other. And it seems like that's the approach that Sue L. Robinson took here, where she felt like she issued the suspension instead of issuing the fine. And the way the CBA is written, it leaves the room for interpretation in terms of what can happen here on the appeals process to me as well. I'm a bit confused, even as a lawyer reading this agreement, where I'm looking at, at further in Article 46, it outlines the appeals process under the CBA, and it says the appeal shall be limited to arguments why, based on the evidentiary record below, the amount of discipline, if any, should be modified. Well, what are we talking about then? About then, if we're talking about the amount of discipline, are we just talking about modifying the suspension, which would be my argument if I'm representing the NFLPA and representing Watson here, or is modifying the discipline all of a sudden you can institute a fine? That wasn't instituted before. Is that a modification of discipline? There's a lot of room left for interpretation under a CBA. They might want to flesh that out better next go around. Amber, that's the problem, though. And I hope somebody in the league office is listening to us right now because as a lawyer, for you to read that and still have those questions and still think there's some ambiguity about how the law is written internally for the NFL, that is why the league has such a transparency problem that they've been trying to fix and they've been trying to find ways to make better. But this has been building up for a while, and even hearing you walk through that and try to describe it to the audience, it's frustrating as a fan because nobody wants to, as a sports fan, go through all the legalese that is part of so much of what happens now off the field in in a lot of different leagues. But if you're the NFL and you have had all these public missteps over the last few years on all these different cases, and then you get to this case and you try to make an example not only of Deshaun Watson but all the awfulness that he is alleged to have done, and you still can't outline exactly what the the ramifications are and how everything uh, should be laid out. That goes right back to why the league is in the per, uh, the the it, the per perception of it that it is, and why so many fans have lost faith that the NFL will ultimately get things right uh, over the course of time. I don't know why you don't like some good legal ease, Nick Friedel. I love, I love some good legal ease. Let's get in some of your phone calls. Let's get in one here real quick. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Harry is in San Antonio. Harry, what do you have for us? Hey, first of all, this is a complicated case, but the NFLPA should have never agreed that once the decision was made that there was a plan B and continue the process. That was their mistake. The NFL had no option. They had to go in and protect the shield. 
to Nick's point, we got to continue getting better at this because ultimately, no matter what number of games there are, there's never going to be the right one to make it right for these ladies. However, we're getting better. We're not where we need to be. But everyone's got to step up. Let's resolve this, put this once, to, uh, once to, uh, and done, and continue getting to the ultimate point, which you want to do it right, have a process, where at the end of the day, you're never going to be 100% and satisfy everyone, but at least we have to have everything in front of us. And as a fan, I want to talk about other things and not worry about some guy who had to get you know, 24 massages all around the country, you know, in that area. Thank I understand, right. Guys. Thanks so much for the call. I, I understand that sentiment. Of course, at fans probably feel like they want this story to go away. You know, they want some sort of conclusion. Let's get there. Let's move on. Let's start talking about football. And I understand that sentiment from the fans' perspective. I do think the point he raised there about the NFLPA not agreeing to, it is a point that I'm hearing from a lot of people. And a lot of people think, well, if I was in charge of the NFLPA, I would never have agreed to allow Roger Goodell the ultimate say in an appeals process. Maybe easier said than done if you're not actually in the negotiations when you are collectively bargaining an agreement because there's only so much power the NFLPA has, particularly with that union in that league because most careers in the NFL are pretty short, which hurts the overall power that that league possesses and that union possesses in representing its players. But we will continue with this discussion. Also continue to get your reaction on this news. Again, give us a call. Triple eight, say ESPN. Much more reaction to the big breaking news out of the NFL that it has appealed. The NFL has appealed the Deshaun Watson suspension. That's next. This is Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Canty and Carlin. NFL has appealed the six-game suspension handed down by a disciplinary officer to Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. The NFL is looking to add on to it and add on to it by a lot, I would imagine, because the league wanted an indefinite suspension with Deshaun Watson having to apply for reinstatement. The next step for them now that the league has appealed is to sue the NFL in federal court. It's a long legal battle that seems like it's going to take a while. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We are in the midst of reacting to the news broken by Adam Schefter that 
The NFL has appealed Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. So now the clock is ticking on the NFLPA in Watson's camp. They have two days to respond to the appeal. We are waiting to find out who's going to handle the appeal, whether Roger Goodell is going to hear the appeal himself or whether he's going to bring in somebody more independent to make that decision. You can give us a call, 888-ESPN-888-888. 729-3776. That's where we find D in Delaware. D, what do you have for us on Watson? You know, um, thanks for taking the call, first off. Um, I find that as much as Watson should have gotten more than six games, I do feel that the NFL could have done more. They could have presented more than just the four cases to the uh, independent woman. And they could have definitely interviewed more than just less than half of the accusers. You know, they made the independent review look weak with the um, ruling. And now they come in like the knight in shining armor. And I'm just not in agreement of that. There's a lot of people who are going to feel like D feels, Nick, where when we got the word that they had only presented the cases of five women, they had only had four testify at the disciplinary hearing. A lot of people were questioning that and saying, oh, well, the NFL is trying to present a weak case, essentially. I, I guess the lawyer in me isn't as cynical in regards to that because I can see a world where, hey, you can't bring in. 25 women who at some at one point had pending actions against Deshaun Watson or 30 women who may have potentially had actions that we know that the Texans settled with. You can't have that many people testify at a hearing that has a limited amount of time here for you to present your case, right? And so they chose, if you believe the NFL, they choose the four strongest cases that they're presenting. They feel like they can get their point across there. Also, I do think it's interesting. I haven't heard anybody say it. So this is total conjecture on my part. But I mean, the numbers work. He settled with 20 of the 24 women right before the disciplinary hearing. Mm -hmm. That left four women. Four women testified against him at the disciplinary hearing. It would stand to reason that it was the four with the pending civil actions who hadn't yet signed NDAs as part of a settlement. That's total conjecture on my part. It seems to add up. So there may have been that, that some of these women actually couldn't have testified against Deshaun Watson in a disciplinary hearing. Which would make sense, Amber, as you're explaining it, as to why there was such a rush from Deshaun Watson's legal team beforehand to make sure that all of that happened before uh, all of this became public and they could go through the motions of uh, having those conversations. So there is so much of this uh, that is is frustrating just from a distance because, uh, and I think this is the issue that the NFL is running into, everybody had heard about the story and had heard about the amount of different women who were affected by what Watson was alleged to have done. And then to boil it down to four people are, are the only four who spoke, that is the part, as a fan who is learning some of this legalese on the fly, I still am, am having a hard time coming to grips with because we heard about the 24 different women initially. Then you heard uh, about 60-plus women who had come forward. How did it get to a point with all of those different pending cases, even before the NDAs were signed, that that was the only that were those four cases the strongest. I mean, is that what it boiled down to? We're left to guess. 
we are left to guess. I mean, there again, there could be another component of this where, hey, we don't have months and months on end to present the cases of, you know, potentially up to 30 women if you look at who the Texans settled with. So maybe that's part of this. But we're left to guess. What we aren't left to guess now is what the NFL is doing next because they are appealing. So obviously they were not happy with Sue L. Robinson's decision. We're taking your phone calls. Triple eight say ESPN. Dylan is in Fort Bragg. Dylan, what do you have for us? So thank you for taking my call. Um, so I love what the NFLPA did. The only reason I say that is because of how how it's read, like their public statement. It was a way to try and get the NFL doubling down on them and say, hey, you understand if you appeal, we're going to take you to court. And from what I saw just a little bit ago as well, that the NFLPA is going to take them to court. They're, yeah, they're going we- to take them to court. Yeah, we do know because they were saying it before we even got the decision that, hey, if you decide to try to challenge whatever the decision is, we're going to take you to court. They were issuing that warning to the NFL. Then they released that joint statement before the decision came down less than 24 hours before with the NFLPA and Watson saying, hey, we're respecting the independent process. So should you NFL kind of an indication that the NFLPA and the Watson camp were probably going to be more happy about Sue L. Robinson's decision than the NFL was going to be. The NFL, though, by filing this appeal, Nick has said, no, because we have the power to do this and we're going to exercise the opportunity to do this that you gave to us also by this collectively bargained agreement. Amber, in your experience in, in going through a whole bunch of different cases through time, for for those of the, us that don't understand the appeal process and exactly how it works, how often have you seen appeals, and granted this is a, a wide variety of different cases, but how often do you see appeals get looked over again in this case and get overturned and get additional games or additional fines or additional whatever the penalty may be tacked on? Well, don't forget, this appeal isn't a real appeal, right, through the justice system, but it is an appeal through the NFL. And we've seen through the NFL process, under the old collective bargaining agreement, though, when the NFL was the judge and was the jury, yet on appeal, we still did to see decisions get changed, ultimately, mm-hmm. where you do have what Ben Roethlisberger, and he was originally, I think it was a six-game suspension, it was reduced to a four-game suspension. We've seen the reduction in suspensions over time. This, of course, comes under a new CBA, so we're now in unchartered territory. And it's the NFL asking for an increased suspension. We haven't seen that because the NFL before didn't have this independent party making a decision before it had its opportunity to try to make a decision. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, how this plays out. will set a precedent moving forward under this new CBA. That's certainly a consideration here. Also, maybe one of the reasons that the NFL has decided to appeal because it's essentially trying to set a new precedent under a new disciplinary process that was instituted under the this new CBA that was negotiated in 2020. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Get renter's insurance to protect the things that make you pl- your place a home, including coverage for theft or damage. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next, we'll get Rob Ninkovich's reaction to this. Plus, it is Tom Brady's 45th birthday. So you know Nink has a story about the goat. That is next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio.
Watson is going to step onto the field in the middle of October and Breast Cancer Awareness Month wearing pink. How do you fix the optics of any of this? The league is holding the players to really high standards and they want to continue to grow the female audience. This isn't good. This isn't a good look. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Nick Fidel filling in for the guys on Canty and Carlin. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We have been reacting to the breaking news out of the NFL, that the NFL has appealed Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension for all things NFL that extend far beyond just this story. Let's bring in Rob Ninkovich, ESPN's NFL analyst. And Nink, I have to start, though, with this breaking news. What is your reaction to hearing that the NFL has appealed Watson's suspension? Good. They should have. Um, That was the right thing to do initially um, when I – heard of the six game suspension i didn't think it was enough at all um and if if somebody was to hear that six game suspension and and actually read through the report and thinks that that's an appropriate suspension i i think that there's something wrong with you because um you know at some point you got to look beyond just oh he's a football player he's an athlete or i'm a fan of the cleveland browns this is a human thing now and um you know he he needs to be um, not playing football for this season. And um, I, I also think that he needs to go seek some type of therapy or help for the issues that he has. Rob, you're obviously not in that Browns locker room, but you've been in NFL locker rooms for years and years. Do you feel that inside that Cleveland room there's a sense of frustration that this now is going to continue to linger into the season potentially when everybody thought it might be over when we got Judge Robinson's understanding of yeah, the case. Yes, I mean, you would be frustrated because you'd be frustrated with the upper management people that decided to go and make this move with not knowing the outcome of what this would entail and how long it would drag out and how long um, you're going to have to figure out where you're going to be at as a franchise when you had Baker Mayfield and people had some direction, then they figured, okay, he's not good enough. Let's go find somebody else. Well, now they don't have a quarterback and I don't think they'll have a quarterback for this full season. Um, Again, I think that if you are a veteran or you're a player on that team that you were wanting to progress and and win something because they haven't won anything in a long time, 
um, it would be frustrating. But again, you know, even if you're on that team um, and you were to look at the report and exactly what was in detail of that report, you would probably think, well, that's there's there's a lot of more issues um, that's go, that's going on right now than just us having quarterbacks. Rob Ninkovich, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. So, Nink, that's not the only story in the NFL. There's another much more fun story today in the NFL. Tom Brady is now 45 years young. Today is the GOAT's birthday. How much longer do you have Brady playing? <laughs> I didn't think he was going to play this year. Um, I, I thought that he was going to ride off into the sunset. Well, I was wrong. I was right on his retirement, but I was wrong on him coming back. So I, I really think that 45 is probably the, the lucky number. I, I don't know. Um, obviously, there's there was other reports came out with him talking to other teams. So maybe he wants to play forever. I don't know. But um, I think that 45, that's a good number. It's got a got a good ring to it it's a long time um so i'd say maybe this year and, and then that'll be it rob first of all if you had a dollar for every tom brady question you you've answered in life how much money are we talking here <laughs> uh i would probably be up there with tom and i'd have to play, <laughs> play football or uh you know talk or be an analyst when people ask what was your favorite story about tom that you're able to share on the radio. What is the story that you tell the most? Well, I'd probably say, you know, the first time I ever had an interaction, you know, Tom was already very established, won a lot of games, won a lot of Super Bowls. Um, you know, I was just a, basically a tryout guy in 2009 running down on kickoff, and then I got into the starting lineup. But up until that point, I was really nobody. Um, in 2009, I was walking through the hallway. I didn't even think he knew who I was. Um, this was in training camp. wasn't even on the roster yet. And uh, he walked past me and said, hey, Rob. I was like, whoa, he actually knows my name? Like, that's insane. Um, and then fast forward many years, we played a long time together. And, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people don't realize just how nice of a person and good of a soul he has as far as, you know, generosity. Um, he's a great teammate. Um, he's got a great family. His mom and dad uh, comes from a, a great family, so um, they raised they raised him well. And um, you know, not only is he the greatest quarterback, um, but he's, he's he's a really really good guy. A lot of people don't know um, the Tom that's outside of the locker room or outside of um, just playing football. So I'm sorry you don't get paid per Tom Brady question because I'm going to ask you no one, one more here, <laughs> Nink, on the way out. Obviously, you mentioned there the report uh, connecting Tom Brady to the Miami Dolphins. It appears that he was flirting with that franchise for years, flirting with them maybe actually when he was back on the New England Patriots. What did you make of that whole bombshell NFL investigation and the story that followed? Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised on that one. Um but then again, usually when you're at the age that you're at with where Tom was at in the contract status, you kind of know, you can read the writing on the wall, so to speak, on, you know, if a team is interested in you or not. Um, so I anticipate and I probably would think that at that point he was looking to, to make another move. Um, 
and it's a little disappointing if you were on that team. I wasn't on the team in 2019, but if you were on the team, um, you know, again, that's why they don't. That, that's why they, the NFL doesn't want this because you want a guy and you want the team to be only with that team and talking to that team. So it was a little surprising, um, but uh, again, with agents and relationships and teams. There's a lot of talking back and forth on next year, next contract, uh, where you're going to be. Um, that was a little surprising to me, yes, but not surprising to, because of the fact that a lot of other teams and a lot of other um, you know, players, they're trying to figure out, hey, what do we do next year? But it was surprising, yeah. Rob Ninkovich, ESPN NFL analyst. Nink, thanks so much for joining us. All right, thanks, guys. Take care. Tom Brady's not the only goat in the news today. Wait until you hear what Nick Saban said about his Alabama team and why it should make the rest of the college football world very nervous. Also, that is Evan Wilner saying that Nick Saban is the goat, not Amber Wilson. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. The NFL has made a strong stand here by saying we are not going to stand for the behavior that the judge called egregious. Football's out the door here in this instance. When you look at the report and the things that have gone on, six games isn't enough, and Roger understands that. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Canty and Carlin. Month-long NFL investigation. We now know that the Miami Dolphins wanted Tom Brady to be its quarterback. Well, they have a quarterback in Miami. His name is Tua Tungvaloa, and he has spent his career, Nick Friedel, dealing with somebody else over his shoulder, whether it was Ryan Fitzpatrick or whether it was, frankly, the Dolphins' flirtations with Deshaun Watson, because that was also a story that followed Tua forever. And now enter the new component to this story, which is, oh, by the way, the Dolphins also wanted Tom Brady. So basically, the Dolphins wanted anybody who wasn't Tua during Tua's tenure here so far. So Tua has handled this at every turn like a champ. Here was Tua. The Dolphins quarterback, of course, being asked about the Dolphins wanting Tom Brady. Something happening with Brady. I, I mean, I don't know all the details. I don't even know what, what happened. Um, but, I mean, I, I got to talk to a couple of the guys, you know, to kind of fi- find out what was going on. And everyone's wondering the same thing. So, I'm not too sure. But no discussions with, you know, I guess whether it's Chris Greer, Mike McDaniel, or even Stephen Ross about your standing with the team. What do you mean my standing with the team? I mean, the fact that they spoke with Tom Brady on multiple occasions, which included him with the plan for the team. Was that in 2019? 2019 and 2021. Oh, okay. I I, I remember I came in 2020, so whatever happened in 2019, I don't even, I can't even speak on that. So I was here 2020, and I'm still here, and I'm blessed to be here, you know. If it has to do with support from the team, I think the team's all in with, with me and all the guys that we have now. 
Tua always says all the right things. Like I, I want him to work out, Nick, because I, I feel like he's just gotten the short end of the stick in terms of having to deal with this PR nonsense throughout his entire NFL career so far. Amber, that is the sound of a man that is just so sick of talking about the quarterback looking over his shoulder and the quarterback that might be looking over his shoulder. He's saying what he needs to in the moment. If he goes out and proves it on the field, he won't have to say anything else. Actions always speak louder than words, especially if you're a young quarterback. Go out and win in McDaniel in his new system, and you will find a way to avoid all those questions moving forward. Hopefully so. I don't know if winning completely erases the Tom Brady conversation, though. Like, I think the Tom Brady conversation is over now because the Dolphins have been outed. But we are talking about Tom Brady. I don't know if any of this makes Tua feel any better. But at least if you did believe that, hey, they were flirting with another quarterback during my tenure in 2021, it was the guy who's the greatest to have ever played the position, right? And because they did, they lost the chance to get your replacement now. Yes. Well, that's a good point. It actually works out for Tua. Tua's like, hey, thanks, Brady, because now they don't have two first-rounders in 2023. Canty and Carlin. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel. We've been filling in for the guys today. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Friedel. That's him at Amber W Sports. That's me. So we have been, of course, talking a ton about the breaking news in the NFL. We will get back to that story. The NFL has appealed the Deshaun Watson suspension. Also, we have been honoring the life and legacy of Vin Scully. We will continue to do that throughout the show today. But there is some funny sound coming out of the world of college football. So I want to switch gears with you, Nick, for a second. Nick Saban, you're familiar with his work. He's the head coach of Alabama. He was on WJOX-FM in Birmingham, Alabama. He explained how he saw last season for his team. Last year we had kind of a rebuilding year, so we should have nine starters back on offense, nine on defense, but six guys go out early for the draft, so now we have five back on offense and seven back on defense, so that in and of itself creates a few more question marks, but it also creates opportunity for other players to be able to shine in the program and contribute in a positive way. A rebuilding year. The man got to the national championship, but I guess if you don't win it, Nick Friedel, even though you won an SEC championship, apparently that's what constitutes a rebuilding year at the University of Alabama. The ego involved, Amber Wilson, insane. We had a rebuilding year at Alabama and still having the success that they did and having a quarterback win the Heisman. It, it is pretty ridiculous. I've been leaving it to Nick Saban to throw out the R word of rebuilding and and have everybody go, <laughs> okay, Nick, sure. But what it tells me on top of Saban just wanting everybody to understand what a difficult job it was last year to, to get that team where, where, where he and the coaching staff got them. Amber, that team this year is loaded. There's a reason why everybody is coming out and saying, yeah, Alabama's going to win it again this season. But when I heard those comments and I read the story that came with it on ESPN.com, I just shook my head because the big ego that has to be 
uh, involved with for saving to say something like that with the embarrassment of recruiting riches that Alabama already has in place is really something. I mean, it's really remarkable hearing that from Nick Say. If that's what a rebuilding year looks like, what the heck does the other years look like? And and that's the scary thing, I think, if you're a college football fan. But I will say, I mean, I don't. I mean, I think Nick Saban's so full of it, right? I mean, that's the only way to say it. Like, you lost the national championship, so now you're calling it a rebuilding year. Yes, you lost starters on both sides of the ball. Oh, by the way, you do that every single year at Alabama because you already have or you always have players that are that good. And so, yes, every year you lose starters to the league and you lose starters early to the league, in fact. So it ain't nothing new. You lose Heisman Trophy winners in the past. You move forward with Heisman Trophy winners on your team now. It is remarkable, though, that that's what is the result of a rebuilding year in Nick Saban's mind. The only thing I could think was rebuilding for Nick Nick Saban was the entrance of NIL because there was for a period of time in the Alabama legislature when they had enacted their NIL laws, they had originally outlawed booster collectives in the state of Alabama, which put Nick Saban behind the mark because Nick Saban didn't have booster collectives in order to pool money in order to maybe extra attract recruits to the University of Alabama. I mean, Nick Saban and just Alabama generally, the success there already attracts recruits. Let's be real. But we know how this is working now in the world of NIL. Whereas like Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, they didn't have that law in Texas. That booster collective had deep pockets and was doing just fine. Now, Alabama's legislature got together. They changed that law. So that law was in effect, I think, for less than a year in the state of Alabama. So maybe that was what he considered the rebuilding process here was for a while I was hamstrung by my own state's legislature in terms of what my boosters were able to do as it pertains to NIL. But that was the only way I could see anything about what's happening at the University of Alabama being rebuilding. They were in the national championship it's unbelievable ever they were they were using another r word which is replenishing they were replenishing all the funds they needed to go after the next big recruits in the nil world that we're all in but uh, you mentioned what everybody else must be thinking if you hear nick saban say it was a rebuilding year and that is another underscore of how broken the system is in college football and Nick Saban was on with Garini a couple weeks ago on Get Up, and he said there are the haves and the have-nots. And if you're at a have school, you don't really care. You're taking care of your own business, and you're making sure that your team is ready to compete for a national title this year. If you're in the have-nots group, Amber, and it's going to get uh, the gap is going to be bigger now because of what's happening in the Big Ten and what continues to happen in the SEC and the money that is pouring in all over the place, to hear that and to be at one of those schools that doesn't have the deep pockets and that doesn't have five-star recruits waiting in the wings to take over for the starters who are in place, I would think you just shake your head because it's such an unbalanced system and it's so unfair for most of these teams on a weekly basis. And to hear Saban say that the way in which he says that even if he believes it, it's really like pouring salt into an open wound that's only getting deeper across the sport. 
it's remarkable because listen, the rich get richer in that sport, right? So to speak, particularly when it comes to the recruits, they have the success. You said the haves and the have nots. Nick Saban's camp is always very squarely in the haves. And he goes from Mac Jones and Devontae Smith doesn't miss a beat from Devontae Smith to Bryce Young winning the Heisman. He's not going to miss a beat with Young now back for his junior season. He's got Will Anderson Jr. He's got the big names, the big recruits coming in as well. He says it's an opportunity coming off of a rebuilding year, uh, air quotes. It's an opportunity for some of these young guys. That's what it always is. It's always next man up at Alabama. Next man up is always some five-star recruit. I mean, that's the reality of it. And next man up always looks pretty darn good in that Nick Saban system. So even apparently on a down year for Bama, where they don't win the national championship, they just merely get to it. And they win an SEC title along the way. They're the overwhelming favorites this season to win the SEC title again. They are supposed to pick up right where they left off. Apparently, Nick Saban doesn't want them to pick up right where they left off because I guess he thinks where they left off is like a down year. Nick Saban is the king of putting Nick Saban in the best position to receive praise all over the place. That has always been the case. It will continue to be the case. And this latest quote in in the radio interview is the latest example of just that. Nick Saban knows how to keep his program in the headlines, right? And uh, himself. Camp, camp opens up tomorrow, I believe, for the Crimson Tide. Uh, their home opener is against Utah State on September 3rd. Coming up next, we go back to the breaking news in the NFL. They have appealed the Deshaun Watson decision. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Check out Canty and Carlin weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.